0: Kia everybody, Mike Jenkins here from The Instillery, back with another episode of Top Shelf Tech. Uh, thanks very much for joining us today. I know you're all very busy people. I'm so excited today to be joined by Angela Nash, Chief Information Officer of New Zealand Rugby and the All Blacks. Uh, welcome, Edge. Thank you. So today we're here to talk about leadership, leadership styles, uh, your journey as a leader in the IT uh, sector. And so Angela, I was wondering if you'd give us a little bit of your background. Where have you come from? How did you get to the job today as CIO of New Zealand Rugby?
1: So it's been a bit of a journey. So I, um, I've never really had any other job than being a nerd. Um, so I've um, worked my way up through testing and being a developer and working in telco and working in vendor space. And then, um, yeah, just um, I was working for the Research and Education Advanced Network of New Zealand, which does all the high-speed fibre optic cables. And um, and then I yeah had a chance coffee with a recruiter and he said I've got the job for you so yeah and that's how I ended up here.
0: Amazing, mm. amazing. And so obviously everyone loves the All Blacks in New Zealand. A yep. little bit of a sidebar from the leadership conversation. What is your favourite Super Rugby team?
1: No, you can't ask that. No, <laughs> uh, there's no <laughs> way on putting that out there. No,
0: no. Okay, <laughs> favourite Some All King. Black.
1: <laughs> Sam Cane.
0: Yes, so Sam Kane, bloody good man actually, bloody good man. Okay, so Ange, we're all about diversity here yep, at Distillery, and yep. as an industry we're all about levelling up and how do we create more opportunities for women in tech as a female leader yourself?
1: Yeah, so I think um, I'm a true believer in um, be what you see, mm. so I think um, as a female leader particularly in a, in a, a male dominated industry like technology, but not only that, rugby um i think coming and doing things like this and being out and about and um you know presenting at cio um summits and presenting at women in tech summits and stuff like that and actually just being visible and out there so that people know um and also you know i go and talk to my children's school and things like that and i think it's really important that um, little girls and little boys actually get to see that women can hold roles like this and can actually be focused and successful in technology roles or STEM roles at all. But not only that, but in leadership positions as well. Because I think, um, for me, if they don't see it, they don't know that it's possible. And so you need to get really actually um, take it seriously that, you know, I was very lucky to grow up in a house where my dad um, never questioned what I wanted to do and, and totally encouraged me. Um, and so it was never a question of can I do this. It was never, it just wasn't a problem. Mm. I just just wanted to do it, so I did. But I know that not everyone grows up in households like mm. that, and so I think it's important to get out there and actually be visible, so they know that what they see isn't isn't all there is. Yeah,
0: yeah. I love that. Be be what you see. Yeah, it's a totally. Really cool yeah. really cool thing. Yeah. that's cool. So now maybe tell us about
1: uh, based on your unique experience. Talk me through your leadership style. <laughs> How do you lead? Yeah. So we were laughing about this earlier. So um, I asked one of my staff members this this morning, and he laughed at me. So I think my leadership style is, is very pragmatic. Um, I, I think as a person, and you know this, is, I'm quite blunt. Um, and not blunt in a bad way, but blunt in an honestly mm. pragmatic way. And I think um, when I when I look after my team and, and, you know, really think about why I'm there and what I get out of bed for, it's really to make their job easier. And so it's not to tell them what to do. It's, it's you know, it's to be there and help and guide and support and um, you know, I'm a big delegator, and I like to give people the opportunity to go and do stuff themselves. And my theory is, I either make your day easier, or if you need help, I'll run interference for you. <laughs> so there, I think it's it's very pragmatic, and you know, it's um it's it's very honest as yeah. well. Yeah,
0: I love yeah. that. Yeah, that sort of the I guess the concept of empowerment you know, trusting these people yeah. in our industry, usually pretty well high-paid people, yeah. um, and, and I guess the you know, giving them the rope to actually go and, and, and get it done. So yeah, which absolutely. Which sort of leads me nicely into sort of the next question. Yeah, you know, I've been privileged enough to serve with you on the New Zealand Tech Board, and yep. I've seen you in action in a number of your roles over your uh, you know, various dis- distinguished career. In terms of your style, you're very much known for getting shit done. Yep. and And really taking difficult situations or areas that have massive room for opportunity improvement. So, <laughs> yeah. so ha, like, how do you take your team and people, maybe even outside of IT, on the journey, on these transformational journeys? Yeah,
1: and it's a good question, because you're right, I have inherited some things in my day, um, <laughs> and I think, you know, I always start with just trying to find out why something's broken or on fire or why people don't like it. And, um, you know, we talk in, in my team at the moment about a sliding scale of shit, right, yep. for want of a better term. And really it's about what actually really makes Makes your day suck, and sometimes it can be the tiniest little thing that just something's just so frustrating. Um, and then other times it can be big strategic stuff that you just really need to hammer. And I think it's trying to find that balance there. Um, and you know, I think when you're getting shit done, it really is working out what's stopping shit getting done. And so until you know what's stopping it happening, you can't possibly mm. move those boulders. And so I think um, you know, I really go and try and spend some time figuring out exactly what's not right. Sometimes it's culture. Sometimes it's People. sometimes it's process, sometimes it's a mix, and really just sort of starting on that sliding scale of saying, what sucks this month, let's <laughs> focus on that. And then you, what you find is six months down the track, that all the stuff everyone hated in January, come June, they've got a whole nother list of stuff they hate. Yeah. But, you know, I think that's a good way, because there's progress, no matter how small, it's still progress and positive movement forward. And I think, um, you know, one of the biggest things I've learned over the last 20 years is that if you haven't got your people, you've got nothing. And you can have all the best processes and systems and support in the world. But if your people aren't there for the right reasons, then you've got nothing. Yeah. And so I think um, I put so much more energy into that than I do anything else. Yeah.
0: I, I love it. Yeah. And, and so I guess you've covered a couple of really core cool themes there. Leading through action, empowerment. Mm. You know, so just talk me through the culture, you know, your culture is yeah. obviously critical, DNA and values, maybe just give a bit of a feel for your perspective on that and, and your team today and in your business.
1: Yeah, so I mean, um, culture is obviously very hugely important inside NZ Rugby for, for many, many aspects, but I think if we were to drill into just culture within a team mm. specifically, I think... Um, I'm a big believer that you can't write culture down on a bit of paper and you can't put it on a wall. Um, You know, when people talk about, well, who do we want to be as a company or who do we want to be as people, and you say we want to be respectful and we want to... And all that stuff's really true. But actually, I think culture's almost like a... um, the example I, I use is it's like a petri dish, and you give it the right environment and it'll grow something. Mm. Um, but each petri dish is a little bit different, and a company will have a culture, but teams within it have a different culture. And so when you're managing a team of massive nerds, like network engineers, um, you, know, that you, you need to manage that differently um, than a team of marketers. Mm. You know, just because they have different interests and different likes and things like that. And so, you know, I'm a really big believer in making sure that you put the environment around the culture, but then you actually, it's got to grow itself. You can't can't tell people what the culture of a company is. You can show them what's acceptable, and if you see behaviour that you think is wrong, you need to Mm. front it and call it out and say that's not okay. But actually you need to let people kind of make their own culture. And, it, you know, it does come from the top, and I think the acceptability comes from the top, but you can't tell the ancillary who they are. Mm. You can't. Your, com- your, your people tell you who they yep. are. And I think um, as, a, as a leader, what we can do is just create the best environment we can to let people create the best environment that they want. Yep. Um, and I think that's, that's how I look at culture. Yeah, yeah.
0: absolutely. That, yeah. Very cool, very, very cool. Yeah. Um, so New Zealand rugby, all blacks, black yep. ferns, yep. uh, moldy all blacks yeah synonymous with new zealand mm-hmm. uh, maybe just talk us through i guess the current state of new zealand rugby union new zealand yep. rugby and whole we look we've all read the papers you know bit of a tough situation yep. you know with sponsors and a whole lot of games moving around um and and obviously the impact of covid on the organization yeah. so so can you sort of tell us how how the business has responded yeah. I guess to to covid and to the challenge that you're facing today
1: yeah and it's been really interesting actually because i think if um if 6 months ago Somebody had said to me, We're going to run NZ Rugby from home over Zoom. <laughs> I would have got laughed at, and quite rightly so, because it just had never been considered. And now, um, you know, we stood the business up in sort of 24, 48 hours to run entirely over Zoom, and some people had never even used it before. Um, and so I think the businesses responded in a couple of really interesting ways. I think. You know, we we have historically had a view where, you know, we're quite stodgy and old and take a while to turn and, and, you know, um, take on innovation and stuff. And actually, one of the really big outtakes and outcomes from the COVID is that we've changed the way that we think as a business Mm. Um, and, you know, we talk in, internally now about, we want to run the business the way we play the game. So when you think about how the All Blacks play, they're risky, they, they'll they have a go, they'll try something If it doesn't work, they'll try something else. They're bold, they're brave, they just smash it, right? And whereas if you looked at how we um, run the business, we're probably slow, we're not innovative, we're risk averse, we take a while to do things. And so we've really switched it up to say, we're going to run the business the way we play the game, which means we're going to be agile and nimble and take risks and have a go. And so I think for me, particularly looking at technology, is um, you know when we look at the ability to engage fans globally and using things like augmented reality and mm. different access to stats and data and analytics and all that really sort of cool stuff, is that we've got an opportunity that's unprecedented in our history to actually engage fans at a level that we've never engaged them before. Because New Zealand's very lucky that we um, are playing sport and we can um get teams together and we have um you know the north versus south match the other day was an absolute smash Mm -hmm. and you know and everybody loved to watch and it was a fantastic game of rugby and so I think as a business we've embraced the you know for lots of lots of really horrible reasons we've embraced the um the opportunity in front of us and treated it like a positive opportunity as opposed to a negative yeah yeah
0: Yeah. I, I mean I love that you know and we're really proud of the partnership with New Zealand Rugby, but the, the bravery, the willingness to challenge the status quo and fundamentally rethink what's something, you know, that's been a real legacy you know, yeah. for 100 years yeah. in New Zealand. I, I love all those key themes. Yeah. So so I guess one of the last questions that we've got for you is, you know, how do you continue to innovate and evolve through the challenge and the changing landscape? How, you know, how do you empower the team to enable them to continue to do that?
1: Yeah, and I think um, some of that sits squarely on me and making sure that we actually keep in touch with... Um, what's going out there and globally, and, and, and you know, rugby unions um, quite an insular sort of view with regards. You know, we've been around a long, long time, and so you know, I I make a real effort to make sure that I I keep up with my counterparts globally. Cool. And so we get a good view of that. But I mean, and there's innovation in the game, there's innovation in participation community rugby, play, health and safety, getting kids and, and you know, getting families and communities in love with the game again. And then I think, um, then there's innovation in technology. And I think the innovation around technology, I see as this massive opportunity for us to go and re-engage a huge number of fans, not just in New Zealand and not just in our local communities, um, but even, you know, into Japan and, yeah. and United States and places like that. Who just love rugby, and we've got a real opportunity to go and engage them, and you know, in their own language, in the way that they want to see it. And so, for me, there's really an exciting opportunity to create um, just different ways to consume our content, mm. and and not just be involved in just the game, and not be involved in just sports that have contact to them, but um, you know, really look at all the innovation around the Ripper and Touch, yeah. and you know, and all those sorts of other things that that it's almost um I was talking to someone yesterday and they were talking about snackable chunks of content mm. and I think you know like there's nothing wrong with a child playing basketball and rugby and in fact my own son plays about four sports and he loves them all equally and so to try and force him down a path because that's how it used to be I think think's wrong and mm. so I think there's a real there's a real opportunity for us to engage a whole new generation of fans globally um, by actually thinking slightly more innovatively in how we engage. Yeah,
0: yeah cool. Very yeah. very cool. Okay, last question Angela Time sure. very precious. Uh, technology, yep. teams, and partners. What's the perfect mix in your mind?
1: Oh, uh, yeah. This is, it's an interesting question. Actually, I think um, I think for me, it, it it can vary over time, and it depends what you're trying to do. So, for you know, I think there's some stuff where you need to be really risk averse. Um, anything to do with health safety anything like that I think then you really really need a partner you need somebody who can help you do sensible things you need expertise and stuff like that I think when you look at um, technologies and teams that technology to me is an enabler for things it's not it doesn't solve problems it enables you to do smart things and so I think you know there's a real blend of picking picking the right thing for the right purpose and I don't think there's any one-size-fits-all where you can just get a partner and they're the partner that you have for everything because generally um, people have complex sweet spots Mm. that that they're really, really good at and they can do other things but if that's not what you need, you know what I mean? So it's a bit of a tricky question actually because I think it's entirely dependent on what your outcomes are and how fast you need to move. Um, I think one of the things that I found really interesting over COVID is um, our true partners, the ones that really act like partners, not just call yourself <laughs> a partner, but act like partners, um, have been so accommodating and changeable depending upon what we need and, and spinning up and spinning down and, you know, just... Mm. you. Anyone, anytime you can pick up the phone and go, mate, I just need to do something, that's a partner. And I think those are invaluable relationships. So, yeah, I haven't answered your question. But I think, um, <laughs> for me, I think partners um, in that context are, are so important because when when you need help, you've got people around, yeah. Yep. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Hey,
0: well, thank you very much for joining us, Andrew. Oh, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you yeah. very much. Uh, and thank you to everybody. I uh, hope you enjoyed this edition of Top Shelf Tech. Uh, and we'll be back again in the next couple of weeks.